Hey, what's up, guys? It's Jordan Anderson, and welcome to this episode. Today, we're going to talk about five tips on pricing your photography and hopefully earning a little bit more profit. So if you don't have time to listen to this whole podcast and you just want to get as much information as possible, as soon as possible, here are the five tips. Number one is fairness is a myth. Number two, options help your clients feel in control. Number three is say the largest price first because it sticks in our head. Number four is never let the client fend for themselves. And number five, price isn't the only point of negotiation. If you're year one of your photography business and, you know, pricing might scare the hell out of you. Uh, you kind of, the, the typical thing we all do is we kind of look around and say, okay, what are my friends doing? What are my competitors doing? And then you kind of conclude that, okay, I just need to blend in, take the average. But what actually that makes you look like is that, okay, you, you have an average price. Therefore you're an average photographer. And that probably means you're going to attract average clients and do average projects. So you can, if you want to be average and just be kind of in the middle and blend in and not really making, make any waves or uh, expect to earn any more money than what you're making now then keep doing what you're doing. But I think that with these five tips that I'm going to uh, kind of talk about, uh, it's going to really improve uh, not only your branding, but also the ability for you to earn more money uh, per project, not just more money in general, but earn more money per project so that you have more time to do things like improve your business and increase. Uh, let's just, let's kind of dive into it. I'm, I'm kind of rambling a little bit. Um, okay. So the first concept I want to talk about is the first tip you can call it is about fairness, value, and a good price. So let's talk about fairness a little bit. It's um when we were in kindergarten, first grade, we kind of learned about what's fair and sharing and being nice to others. And I'm not saying that in business that, that there's no such thing as fairness and being nice to others. But when it comes to a price, there really isn't such thing as a fair price. Or I guess backing up, there's not such thing as like an objective fair price. You know, a fair price to you is a different than a fair price to me. And it's different for every single person. So to say, uh, you know, oh, my prices are fair or I feel, I feel good about how I've priced myself in the market because I believe that my prices are fair. You may think it's fair, but uh, depending on which clients approach you or which clients kind of come into your world, they may not think what you're offering is fair. They may see that you might be too expensive or you might be, uh, underpricing yourself. Another thing to think about with fairness is, you know, the kind of idea that, you know, you know, we were talking about this, my, my prices are fair. They're kind of based on the average price in my local area. But the questions I have around that is, okay, that, okay, that's your average, that's the average price for the local area that you're in. But how do we know that average price is the correct price? Like, what if it's broken from the start and who made up that average? And, where do they get their prices? Did they overprice themselves? Did they underprice themselves? If you kind of, if you find yourself asking your friends or asking your competition or looking around in your area, they may have all gotten it wrong. More and more, I want you guys kind of back away from the idea of fairness. When I say like step away from fairness, I'm not saying be unfair or, you know, or don't be nice to your client. I'm just saying framing it, when you frame it in a business sense, it doesn't make sense price wise that there's no such thing as a fair price because, you know, if it's a value shopper or a price shopper or, you know, they're going to someone in the in that equation is going to take advantage of your quote unquote fair prices. Instead of using the word fair, let's use the word value. So an equal exchange of value is what Blair Enns calls in his pricing creativity book, 
a the double thank you moment. That's kind of the moment between it's the moment at the end of a business engagement that you're at the end of a project where you and the client are happy one with the work, uh, you're happy with the results, and you're both happy with kind of the compensation that was exchanged. So I compensated you with my knowledge and time and my skills, and in exchange you compensated me for money or c- connections or wh- whatever the the payment structure was. That's what we call the double thank you moment because at the end you go, thank you, no thank you. It, it, it's that kind of like we both got an equal value out of this exchange and we feel like you know we stepped away being like, okay, this was this was good. This, this was uh, a great, great project and I hope we have another project like this again. So it's not like an, it's not a fair exchange of goods and services. It's a value exchange of goods and services. It's a we both got good value out of this. This is going to tie into the next tip. You know, when we're presenting our work, we kind of seek to offer our clients as much value for the price offered. We aren't looking around the competition. We concentrate on the client sitting across from us, across the table, and we ask ourselves, how can we offer our clients the most value? And not, you're not thinking, you know, when you're one on one with a client, you're not thinking, how can I get them the fairest price? Or how can it's that it doesn't exactly make sense. The second concept is about crafting your options. So another idea that maybe you're struggling with booking more clients or you're struggling to raise your prices, it might not be around the fact that your prices are too high or too low. It might be the fact that you haven't really crafted your options or you haven't really presented your prices in a way that makes sense or kind of clicks with your client. Um, so when you're building your photography packages, it's I, I'd say it's standard practice, especially in the wedding photography world, that you have these sort of packages, these kind of ABC packages, one, two, three packages. And this is where I'm calling the power of three. So if you just right now, if you're listening to this and you're a photographer and you just have one package or maybe two packages, uh, I'm going to say it, at least one is too limited. Feel uh, When you have two options, uh, to me, that feels like a false choice sometimes. When I'm choosing, like, I only have option A or option B, I'm not always happy with the decision I make because it's. I wish there was some kind of uh, Goldilocks in the middle version. So that's where the power of three comes in. The What having three options in your packages, that gives the client the ability to kind of weigh their choices. They can eliminate one altogether, and then they're kind of left with a 50-50. Whereas if it was just two options, if they eliminate one, then by default, they have to choose the other one. So by giving them three, they can say, okay, this one is way too expensive, or this one is way too cheap. And then they're kind of left with, do I want to do the middle option or the high option or the high or low and exclude the middle? They have a little bit more choice. Um, And I want you guys to kind of start thinking like a startup. You know, when you bought... Adobe or you bought Canva or, you know, all these kind of softwares that we have, they, they kind of price it in three different tiers or four different tiers. Sometimes they offer five options, which I believe kind of leads to choice fatigue where you just, you know, you're given too many options and you can't really decide. So you kind of get stressed and frustrated and uh, you end up not making a decision at all. Um, so, so think on it like that. You know, they have like the free, the basic, the pro, the enterprise version add whatever synonyms kind of make sense for your business or brand it, or that's a, you know, that's a great kind of client experience opportunity there that um, you can name your packages in a unique way that kind of uh, adds a little bit delight to the customer experience. Um, another idea that uh, around kind of crafting your options and we're kind of dancing around it is what you're doing is you're creating FOMO. Like you're creating this kind of 
pain a little bit. The, you know, the first option that they see is usually the lowest and it offers the least amount of value. Just think from a visual standpoint, don't even think about the features that are listed in option one. Just think, bl blur the lens for a second and just look at the lines on a piece of paper option one, two, and three. Option one is just going to have the least amount of lines. And so it's visually going to look small. And what we want to do is we want to be able to compare. We want, you know, comparison is good. We love to shop around. And as we go up the scale to option two and option three, they're obviously going to increase in price, but they're going to increase in value. And, and even visually, those uh, amount of features are going to increase so that Option one is going to look real teeny tiny. Option two is going to look kind of medium size. And then option three is going to be huge. All the list uh, features fully listed out. You kind of want to make your client feel a little bit of pain when they're kind of going through these options. Maybe they only have the budget for option one or option two, but they really want a feature in option two or three. And seeing that it's either striked out or that it's missing from that list, it kind of, it pains them a little bit. So this is where it's going to kind of start to put you in a little bit of a power position when it comes to presenting your prices and offering your services. You're not, uh, you're not coming hat in hand and saying, here are my prices. You're able to kind of come as an equal to these clients and say, here are my prices. Here are the features. Here's what you get. Here's what you don't get. I want to kind of set the ground rules here. Like these are the options. These are the packages. And this is the, this is in my version, or this is my interpretation of what I think a, a good value exchange would be between the two of us. The third concept is anchoring. And I want you to read this book. I don't know if, you, if you're listening to this podcast. I'll, I'll, uh, it's, I wrote this in the blog, but the book is called Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. It is a, if you're looking for the book itself, it's like a, it's a white book with a little, uh, stubby pencil that's been like shaved down. It's, it's a really tiny pencil on the, on the cover of the book. Um, it took me forever to find this book, but I finally found it. It's a little dense to read, um, but it talks about this concept of anchoring. So here's an anchoring idea right here. $34,000. Okay. So now let's talk about your services for $2,000. And the, the kind of weird thing is now you can't get that number $34,000 out of your head. And then when you start to talk about $2,000 services, it starts to sound like a good deal or it sounds like really cheap or really small compared to $34,000. And this is what I was talking about with the kind of comparison game too that if you just threw one price out there, I don't have really anything to compare it to. I don't really know if it's a big number or a small number. If you told me that your photography services are $5,000, uh, is that high? Is that low? What do I get with that? Is there a cheaper version? Is there, is that the cheapest version you have? Um, and what it does is, it, so let's kind of go into anchoring a little bit more, but that's just this, uh, a quick side note about like the, this kind of concept that, if you're able to compare, add a little context, uh, you're able to sort of kind of make these prices make sense. Because when they, when you're giving them three prices uh, and you're kind of showing them these high numbers at first, uh, it can get a little confusing or it can get, um, they may feel a little frustrated or not exactly sure what they're getting or what these prices mean. The idea in that book is that anchoring is about human psychologically, we put a lot of emphasis on the first piece of data that we receive. So if I told you $34,000 and then I told you to kind of forget that number and let's talk about 2,000, 3,000, and 4,000, that number $34,000, even if I told you to forget about it, it's still in your head. It's, it's an irrelevant number. Uh, but we still somehow just can't get that number out, out of our head. So we can kind of use this to our advantage. When we're presenting our prices, we want to kind of set the bar high with anchoring 
so that it kind of it throws the conversation really high up on the price number scale. But you more realistically, they are probably going to go with a cheaper version. But the fact that they see that huge number, they kind of feel better about choosing the cheaper option. With anchoring your prices, you know, pricing options A, B, and C, option C is usually the highest number. It's the biggest number, and we kind of want to make it an actually almost like an absurdly big number. Like, no way would you should you be charging for this. This is kind of ridiculous. But the idea is that it's just a throwaway number. It's the number that you know they're not going to pick, you know they can't afford this, you know they would never afford this or never pay for this. But what it does is it it throws the conversation way too high so that your options B and A look way more attractive because look, it's, you know, option C is $35,000 and option B is only $7,000. Wow, that's a great deal. You've made option B seem like a good deal, even though it's a pretty good price. And there's kind of a trick to presenting these prices um, if you're over the phone or if you're about to kind of hand over a proposal. A good rule of thumb is to say a price before they see a price. So don't just – and I've, I've given my thoughts about publicly listing your prices on your website. Uh, but it, when you're – and I'm kind of – I'm against it if you're asking or if this is the first time you're listening to it. When you're in conversation with clients, it helps to say the price before they see a price. And I literally mean that. So if they say, okay, what are your prices? What do they range from? It helps for – just say it in conversation and kind of gauge the reaction and that's going to give you a good sense of can they afford you or are they willing to pay the money? Um, but how you how you say it out loud is another way that ties into anchoring. What you're going to do is you're going to say the first number or the first number that you say is going to be the largest number. The second number that you say or the, the other part of your range – is going to be a lower number. So if let's say your range is one to five thousand dollars for a photography gig, you should actually say my prices usually range between five thousand and one thousand dollars. And then after that, you kind of let them let the number hang and just kind of gauge the client's reaction. It's it's it. The first time I said it, it sounded weird and it sounded very unnatural. But what it does is it anchors the first number they hear five thousand. That's that's the anchor. Boom, five thousand, and then my lower range is one thousand. Oh, okay. So now thirty five hundred sounds pretty good because, but if you said my prices are one thousand to five thousand, and now you're stuck on the on the lower end of the number scale, you're stuck at okay one thousand. Okay, maybe I can charge them upsell them to fifteen hundred, but I can never get them up to five thousand. That's the power of anchoring. The first number they hear, one thousand, is even if it is your lowest range. That's the first. That's the first impression they get, and that's the number that they can't unstick out of their mind. So they may try to negotiate you down to seven fifty or five hundred when you could have said five thousand to one thousand. It'd be negotiating forty five hundred, four thousand, three thousand. And it's just, it's a, it seems unnatural, but trust me, saying the big number first is going to push the conversation higher up. Uh, in the price range for you. The fourth concept is, I'm just calling it like, be the guide and not the herder. You know, the sheep herder that's, uh, you know, the difference between a, a tour guide or a hiking guide. You're on a hiking trail and you have a guide with you. Um, and then the, and then on the flip side, you have like a sheep herder who's like shoving sheep into a fence, into a pen, and they don't really know where they're going. And it's all kind of, it's, it's really kind of a power difference. So like the hiking guide is kind of walking with you and leading you at times and telling you what to watch out for. Whereas the sheep herder is in control at all times. And they just kind of treat the sheep as just a mindless idiot that just kind of, they just kind of shove into a pen. So we want to avoid that client relationship and want to kind of more aim towards a hiking guide 
kind of client relationship. Kind of go with me on that. <laughs> um, I wrote about this kind of idea that the there's this issue of control. Like when you and your client are in the sales process, the client wants to feel as if they want something. You know, we all love a good deal and we all love kind of the idea that we were able to negotiate and get the vendor down and we kind of have this, it feels good. Like, yeah, I was able to get them like come down 20%. Like I, I think I won something. Our goal as photographers is to lead the engagement from start to finish. And the client had kind of has sought out our work. They, they picked us out of a bunch of photographers out there, hundreds of photographers. They chose us and they're going to see us as the expert and they understand that our time is limited. And if you find a client that kind of respects all three of those aspects, uh, then you've got a good client on your hands. But they don't want to be helpless sheep. When clients are spending thousands of dollars on your service, they want to feel taken care of. But they also, at the same time, want to feel like they're in control. Like they don't want to be totally hands-off because if, if they're just totally hands-off, they're kind of mismanaging their money and they might mismanage the project. But they want to kind of feel like they're in control a little bit. Like I'm giving you all this money. I feel like I have a little bit of power in this in this relationship. Uh, but I also know you, the photographer, have some power in this relationship because of the skills and the quality of work that you bring to the table. You know, and I, I kind of mentioned this. We've all seen clients that kind of seem frantic or they ask like ridiculous questions. Uh, the reason behind all that is because they feel like the engagement is out of their control. They kind of lost the thread. They can't remember why they hired you. That's where it starts to get into that kind of sheep herder relationship where they're just kind of, they're panicking, they're, they're fear driven. And it's like, no, let's, Let's back up. Let's kind of reshape the relationship so that I'm more of a hiking guide to you. I know you have full capabilities in what you're able to do. You have full trust of my capabilities and leadership as the hiking guide, so to speak. Um, and we're going to go down this trail together, you know, side by side or one leading the other and, and trading places at times. The question of should I send an email or get on the phone when I'm presenting my prices? They, okay, they're interested in my photography work. They want to see my prices. I have made my packages. I've got package one, two, and three. Um, and now I'm like, okay, tactically, what do I do? Do I send this as an email, Jordan? Do I say, you know, attach a PDF? Here are my prices. Have a good day, folks. Um, or do I get on the phone or do I arrange some sort of per in person meeting or over the phone meeting or Zoom call, whatever you want to do? The easy way in, the easy way is just to send an email. And I would say that's the wrong way to do it. Just send an email. Here's the, here are the packages. Here's package A, B, and C. Have a good day. See you around. You throw it over the fence and just hope and cross your fingers and hope they reply back and say, yeah, looks good. Give us a call back. In my experience, I've seen that rarely work. Remember too in this conversation that they have already heard the price. So the, the price that you're going to put in your packages and that you're going to send over to them. One of those numbers should have already been discussed. Nothing in the proposal should be a surprise. Uh, the range should already be there. You should already kind of have those conversations before you're sending over this proposal or sending over the, your, your photography packages. I think a good combination to do is to arrange a phone call meeting or an in-person meeting if that's possible or a Zoom call if that's possible. Um, and at, at the start of the meeting or 10 minutes before the meeting starts, send the proposal or send the package, uh, over as a PDF via email. So that way, because what you don't want to do is you don't want to leave your client in the dark. You don't, the idea to send an email and just have them kind of open it up on their own time and read the packages and not, and 
uh, and you're not there with them, if they have questions or they're not sure, they may just say, ah, this is whatever, this isn't worth my time. So you arrange the meeting. I say about 10 minutes, 10 to 30 minutes before the meeting starts, send an email uh, with the attached proposal and then let them kind of open it up on the phone or let them open it up just five minutes before the phone call. So that way, if they have any immediate questions, you're right there on the phone call ready to walk them through it. And that's what I would do on the phone as well. I would start with option three or option C, the big number, and walk through that option and explain everything that goes inside that package. You get this many hours, you get this many photos, you get this type of service, you get this uh, blah, 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 all everything. You list out all the features in option three. With option three, it lines up with our anchoring tactics that we're going to say the big number first. So they, they see the big $20,000 price tag next to it or, or whatever is, is big in your company. You're also going through every single feature. And if you remember how we've set up our packages, that option three is going to have all the features listed out. And then option two is going to have some of the features listed out. And option one is only going to have a few features. So. Once you have listed all and explained all the features in option three, it's kind of self-explanatory what option two and one will have because it's just it's usually the same, but just a few items are taken out of it. So, you know, you wouldn't say, but, you know, there are some things, you know, 10 hours of coverage, eight hours of coverage, six hours of coverage. That's pretty self-explanatory. But what you're doing is you're leading the conversation. Options three, options three, options two, options one. How these conversations have gone, uh, they go, they can go in a different, and then they can go in a couple different ways. I think a successful, I mean, uh, if you're lucky and you're on the phone like that and you say, okay, what does everybody think? Is there anything I missed or any questions? They will go, yeah, no, this looks great. Uh, let's do option three. Sound, you know, send us over a contract and let's, let's get to work. That is like best case scenario. Middle case scenario, I'm calling it, is like they say, mm, looks pretty good. Um, give us a couple of days. Let's do this. Uh, or, you know, they'll say the middle option would be like, okay, looks pretty good. Give us a couple of days and we'll get back to you. And then they call you back a couple of days later and say, hey, we want to go with option three or we want to go with option two. And you go, great. Let me send over a contract and we'll get this thing started. The worst case scenario, and, and I won't say it's a worst case scenario because that puts pressure on you to just like always close a deal. And if you don't close a deal, it's a worst case scenario. It's not, it's not, not, not winning a contract or, or not closing a deal is not always a worst case scenario. So don't, don't think like that, guys. Um, but it, sometimes they'll see, Hopefully you have communicated everything leading up to this conversation, what the price range is, what some numbers are looking like, what some features included in your packages. They see the number and they go, wow, we can't afford this. This is way out of our budget. Uh, we thought it was going to be something different. That indicates that there's some kind of miscommunication leading up to that because, like we said, we don't have any surprises in this proposal. We don't want to be like – they don't want to open it up and be like, what the hell is this? This is crazy. That's the part I'm calling a worst-case scenario, that there has been some sort of miscommunication in the sales process – between you and the client, you didn't exactly explain something well enough or they didn't exactly understand something in your uh, in the services that you kind of laid out. And it, it can happen. They'll just say, hey, we can't afford this and go, hey, that's fine. Call me back when you can see something else or if you want to start negotiating from there. But in the event that they want to negotiate, so let's say maybe they like option two, but it's just a little bit too pricey or they want to take something out. An amateur photographer We'll just say, okay, I'll just lower the price in instead of six thousand. Let's do five thousand. And what they fail to do is they fail to kind of trade value for value. So remember, at the very beginning of this conversation, we talked about what's a good value between what's a good value exchange between two parties. 
We're not talking about what's fair. We're talking about what's a good exchange of value. So that's, so if we're still thinking like that, okay, if they want to lower my price from 6,000 to 5,000, for example, what am I, you know, I'm willing to trade on price. What are they willing to trade on? And it, and kind of people think like, oh, I, all I can do is kind of trade on price. If you just trade on price and you just lower your price without taking out any features on your end, that's called discounting. And discounting, I would only reserve for long-term client, loved long-term clients. We don't give discounts to people that just walked in the door. We don't give discounts to people that we've never met before, we've never had an engagement with, we've never, we don't even know how they work or if they're good clients or bad clients or they pay on time. We don't want to set up that relationship early that we discount and we'll do anything to get the deal, including lower our prices without trading value for value. So it's only, so this is what I say. It's only fair. It, it is, it's only fair if that you want me to lower my price. Sure. But that means I got to take some services out. So if, instead of working 10 hours, I may only work eight hours or instead of getting. 10 printed photos, I may only give you eight printed photos. So there's like, there are a number of different things you can negotiate on. You can negotiate on your services. You can negotiate on deliverables, the quality of your service. I'm not saying do a bad job, but, um, you mean, you know, if you, if they don't want to pay f- top dollar for your services, then maybe you give them kind of a basic version of your services, hours to work, hours available to work. Uh, you can also push timelines and deadlines. Uh, maybe they need this in, in a month and you say, okay, if you need it in a month, but you can't pay the money, then it might be two months. It might be maybe push the timeline a little bit further down the road. Another thing to negotiate on is payment terms. So if they want to, let's say they want to go from 6000 to 5000 and pay a lower price, then maybe you increase the payment terms. Maybe you say, okay, if payment terms before were 50-50, you know, 50 now, 50 later, and you want to go from 6000 to 5000 Okay, instead of 50-50, why don't we do 60-40 or 75-25 where you're giving me 75% of the money up front and then you'll pay me the 25% later. So that's another way you can negotiate. Another thing you can negotiate is the fact that you show up or not and you just hire a second shooter. You know, I call, I've been calling it the – I don't think I'm, I didn't claim – I'm – I'm stealing this term, but the term is uh, the bat phone concept, the idea that if you want me, it's going to cost a lot more money, but I can send out a second shooter, I can send out one of my freelancers, I can send out one of my other photographers that I know, hire them in my place, but if you want me, it's going to cost this much money. I would argue that price is the last thing that you can budge. You don't have to, that doesn't have to be the first thing you trade on. So let's kind of back up, let's look at big picture. Early in our photography business, we slapped together a few prices that sounded fair and we're average in your area if you listen to this i want you and your prices to stand out from the crowd i don't want you guys to blend in i don't want you guys to be the average price for an average client for an average photographer you're not an average photographer your new mindset is that you are offering the best value for your clients and that you stand by your prices those uh, those are two things i'll say it again you offer the best value for your client's budget and you stand by your prices pricing can be super scary if you are frustrated with your prices or you feel like your clients are always 
picking at your prices or or trying to lower your prices or they or you just don't feel confident in your prices start to kind of step back a little bit and first ask how did you arrive at these options how did you first make these packages where did you get these price numbers from uh was it from a friend was it from your competition are you just copy pasting from something are you copying someone that lives in california and you shoot photography in virginia first understand kind of how you arrived at the problem that you're at and then rework them so that you make your clients feel like they're in control, make it a stress-free process and make them, you know, you're, you're crafting prices so that they feel happy with the fact that they decided to book with you. Pricing is a tricky subject sometimes. So, you know, we're, and we're always trying to think, how can we add delight to the process? How can we add some, you know, a little bit of magic to the client experience and making the sales process as stress-free and as calm as possible and then it's not this battle that the two of you are going into lead the engagement sometimes let the client lead other times don't be the sheep herder be the hiking guide you are two equal peers side by side walking down the path together trying to find something that is going to be a great value exchange so that at the very end you guys have that double thank you moment of saying thank you no thank you that is it so guys, I hope you got a lot out of that. That was five tips, five concepts on pricing your photography. This is going to help you get more money for your projects. That's a wrap on this episode. Thanks for listening, guys. Hope you guys have a great week, and I'll see you on the next episode. Okay, episode's over. Before you swipe away, I have two things for you to check out. Okay, maybe three, but just kind of stick with me. Number one is my daily email for photographers. Each day, I'm sending out short, actionable lessons on how to improve the business side of your photography business. You'll learn about marketing, strategy, pricing your work, and so much more. Sign up for the first five lessons on jordanpanderson.com. It's my name with .com. It's, it's pretty easy to remember. Number two, and this is a big one, I'm offering one-on-one coaching for photographers who are looking to accelerate their business, get consistent leads, and build a brand they're proud of. Schedule a time to chat at jordanpanderson.com slash coaching. Last is number three. It's this podcast. I'm not asking you to subscribe or go leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That's a little bit, it's a little bit overdone. But I am asking you to go back, find an episode that resonates with you, download it, and give it a listen. My name is Jordan P. Anderson. I help photographers who hate marketing, and I'll see you on the next episode.